This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Demystifying Data. I'm your host, Chris Clegg. We're recording live from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. And uh, we want to use this opportunity to share with you ideas and reactions to the research conference, which happens every year on the Monday and Tuesday before CES. And it's a research conference focused on tech, consumer technology, and consumer trends. And there's some really awesome stuff that came out of the conference this year that I want to share with you because I think they directly relate to how we think about the data practices in our work and uh, where that might be going, specifically from data collection, data analysis, and, and consumer insights. And the summary of consumer tech that I had over the last two days can really be summarized in a, a summary of the last 10 years and what's happening in the next 10 years. So it's like a 20-year recap of consumer technology. And, and the last 10 years have been about connecting things. It's been about bringing together the connectivity of the objects that I engage in my life. So my ability to have the light bulb communicate with Alexa, Alexa communicate with my cell phone, my cell phone to know that my voice is coming so that all those things come together. And ultimately, I'm able to talk to the light bulb. And connectivity or the internet of things has been about me being able to say to that light bulb, I want you to turn on with this level of brightness. And this is the color scheme I want you to use. And that has been awesome. That has been enormous amounts of fun. It's brought incredible opportunities and changes to the way we engage the objects in our world. And it's really been exciting. And as a, a person who loves tech, I've very much enjoyed connecting my world and connecting my world to my voice. And the next 10 years is going to be about the intelligence of things or how do we integrate intelligence into that process. So I may tell the bulb every day, I'd like you to turn on at 6.45 a.m. I want you to be this level of brightness and I want you to, this, to be this uh, color scheme. And the opportunity over the next 10 years is for that bulb to understand my patterns and to see that Monday through Friday, these are my wishes, but not on Saturday or Sunday. And to start to, with permissions, uh, to intuitively understand what I would like from a lighting perspective and to make the option of that to be available to me proactively. So how can the bulb uh, record and learn from the history of our engagement and therefore provide me with a lower maintenance, higher value relationship if speaking to the bulb isn't too high maintenance already? And that may seem like a silly example, but I think that embraces the macro idea of where technology is going to go the next 10 years. Because it's silly with the light bulb, but it's groundbreaking when you think about farming technology, the production of food, or the way in which water is managed and moved around the world, or its implications to uh, consumer health and efficiencies in supply chain. There are enormous implications to it. And on the second piece of the macro aspect of what we're hearing is that this was not, it wasn't a matter that the AI or machine learning necessary for these kinds of advancements it's not that they haven't been around the last few years. It's that the back end bandwidth to do all of that 
has surpassed what was available. And that's where the second piece that seemed to be a, a lot of talk about the last couple of days is this idea of 5G. And I won't pretend to understand 5G all that much, but what I did get is that it represents incremental advancements into the bandwidth of what we can get with wireless and that the opportunity that incremental bandwidth presents to back-end processing of objects so that we can start to realize these benefits at a higher level at a more accessible for consumer applications that's the real amazing thing and the impression that I got was that a lot of the historical challenges have been a chicken or the egg process of is AT&T going to provide the rollout for the service or is Apple going to provide the phone to receive the service and who is it going to be the OEMs or the supplier that's going to go first? And that the industry for the most part has worked that out and that we are off to the races. And the projections are a tenfold increase in uh, 5G devices over the next 12 months and then it just goes exponentially up from there. And over the next eight to 10 years, it's expected that 5G devices will be the vast majority of what's receiving and processing wireless signals. And the implications of what that can do really takes the harness off and allows the creatives to and the engineers to deploy something that's going to be truly phenomenal and, and allow us to fully recognize the value of the intelligence of things. So IoT used to mean the Internet of Things. Next 10 years, it's going to be about the intelligence of things. And I'm all in. And there's a direct application to data, and we got to move to the micro to appreciate it, or I needed to move to the micro to appreciate it. And I got that from a presentation that was done by the CEO of P&G that I saw this morning. And their health division and the CEO of the health division also joined the conversation. And they were talking specifically as a use case example about the Oral-B electric toothbrush. And Oral-B is coming out with a new electric toothbrush. I guess they're debuting it here at CES. And it's called the IO. And it's either available now or it's right on the cusp of being available. But pretty much what this toothbrush does is integrates in a consumer application this idea of what's capable with when you integrate intelligence into devices. So let me give some example. Let me first like kind of describe the problem and then talk about the solution and then how this, how this toothbrush does that. So first of all, who would have known, or maybe a lot of you knew it and I didn't, oral health is a huge issue. They said that in the United States, 25% of us are going to lose all of our teeth by the age of 65. And that is preventable with proper oral hygiene, but our practices are not such at a macro level enough to make that reality. And so uh, 25% of us will lose all of our teeth by the age of 65. And that's not only indicative of the health issues, because it's not just the gingivitis. It's what that means to the bacteria in your body. And, and there's a lot of other issues that come with that you're dealing with as a person if you are dealing with your teeth falling out. But also there's a direct correlation between having missing teeth and people's perception of your IQ. So uh, it's obviously not a causal link, but there's a perception that IQ is lower among those that are missing teeth. And that has a real impact socially. It has an impact on our quality of life. It has an impact on somebody's ability to fully realize and benefit from a life commitment in a career. There's, there are limits that happen when people don't see us as being smart or don't see us for all that we are. And this is one thing that, that has an impact on us. There's a lot of problems with, 
losing your teeth, obviously, that go beyond um, just the uh, immediate inconveniences and quality of life issues that I was naive to. And another fact that they said, they said that in the UK, the most common hospital procedure among children ages 6 to 11 are tooth extractions. And that also is, is, uh, was shocking. And so obviously we're not doing it right as a global community. And basically what the numbers are is I guess you're supposed to brush your teeth twice a day for two minutes. And on average, the typical consumer brushes their teeth once a day for 45 seconds. And so we're just not doing it right. And Oral-B is an amazing position to solve that problem, to help be a part of the solution for that problem. And they look at their mission as promoting oral health for people all over the world. I, you know, they had a more beautiful way to say it, and that's not a good paraphrasing of it, let alone a quote. But that's basically where they see themselves contributing to the world. And along with that, they want to take on this challenge. And so with that as their challenge, they go and produce and make available to us this product called Oral-B-I-O. So I guess it's a great electronic toothbrush. I guess it does everything that you would expect electronic toothbrush to do. They talked about the bristle heads and the technology around the bristle heads and that that was great before. I guess they nailed it in previous versions. And so they're not changing the bristle heads because they had gotten it right and everything that they're doing with their testing in their labs, say that those are spot on. But the smart aspect of the toothbrush, the electronic aspect of the toothbrush are things that they're they're changing. Because it would seem that the problems around brushing your teeth are not just how frequently or how long we do it. It's also related to getting the right amount of pressure, not too soft, not too hard. And it has to do with coverage in the mouth. So are you brushing all of your teeth in the right way? Is it getting to all the, the parts of your mouth? And are you applying the right kind of pressure? And then are you doing that long enough and the right number of times per day, every day? And so what this electronic toothbrush is doing, this smart toothbrush, is it's monitoring all of that and it's connected to an app on your phone, of course, and it's giving you a report. It's monitoring, you know, are you applying the right kind of pressure? Are you getting to all the aspects of your mouth? They've identified 16 zones in the mouth and they're able to look and monitor. The toothbrush is able to understand, are you giving all those zones the proper amount of tension with the proper amount of time and the proper amount of pressure. And therefore, did you do a good job brushing your teeth? And the problems with how we brush our teeth incorrectly, the way that that's known is through market research initially. And because all, all products are the solving of problems. So anything that is sold is solving a problem that somebody has had. And consumer products and consumer hygiene products are certainly some of the best examples of that. And so making a better toothbrush is about understanding how we're not brushing our teeth correctly. So it's something that's going to help solve those problems. And, and we used to learn that through in-depth interviews, through focus groups, through surveys, asking people questions about their behaviors. Um, we would watch people with brush their teeth, invite them into a lab to to brush their teeth and, and uh, tell us what they did. We'd ask them to record them brushing their teeth. And then somebody would transcribe those engagements into uh, some type of quantifiable data set. And then that's analyzed and that's looked at. And we look for trends around behaviors that don't align with proper oral hygiene. And that then influences the purchase cycle of things. And when you have an electronic toothbrush, a smart toothbrush that is recording pressure, duration, coverage, and frequency, and loading that in real time into an app that with permission is making data available to the data scientists at P&G to analyze it, 
then all of a sudden, all of that work is much more efficient. It's higher quality data, and it is um, it gives an opportunity for a whole different level of insight into consumer behavior. And so it made me think about how, like in this particular application of consumer research, our tools around surveys and diaries and uh, participant observation or non-participant observation or labs, those kind of things, that all starts to become less relevant. And these smart devices are really solving that problem for us. But what still was very relevant was the importance of the uh, IDIs, the in-depth interviews, because you know that will tell them all the information around what's happening and they can start to identify where the problems are. But, um, but knowing why uh, consumers are doing it one way or another, it's still missing. And the why is so beautifully addressed through in-depth interviews so while we might be eliminating interviewer bias, instrument bias, the kind of things that uh, certainly is probably expenses once the infrastructure is established, the things that used to um, inhibit our ability to get information around consumer behavior, while that's going away with this smart integration, we still need those, uh, those IDIs to have the human conversation around what's happening. And this idea of humanizing it, something that I'll wrap up with, something that P&G said that I thought was fascinating. They have a little screen on the toothbrush that if you do it all right, if you have the right amount of pressure and you've done it long enough and you've got the right coverage, you'll get a little smiley face on the toothbrush, a little smiley face on the screen that'll say that you did it correctly. And that seems, I'm smiling as I'm saying it because it seems stupid. It seems really dumb. But, you know, they said in their research of all the features that this does, everybody loves all the features and it's really cool and it's kind of a fun tool to help you learn how to brush your teeth better. But the goal of getting to that smiley face, the goal of doing it in a way that that gave you that reward of the smile at the end, that's what people talked about the most when they were testing the product. And that really speaks to the kind of the, the anthropomorphizing of tech, this idea of putting this human element into tech that returns to you a very warm validation uh, that you did it right. And while that seems silly, it also makes a lot of sense. And and what was said was that people don't change behaviors because of what they know. They change behaviors because of how they feel. And the ability of technology to redirect us in ways that are better for us personally in all kinds of levels, but do that in a way that allows us to feel better. I don't know. It's not so silly anymore. It kind of makes sense. So I've had a very good time here at CES this time around. It's been fascinating. Hopefully this gives you some food for thought. This shares a little bit of the experience if you haven't been able to make it to the, uh, the conference yourself. And uh, this has um, certainly been a, a great experience. So if you are not a subscriber to the Demystifying Data podcast, it's time to do something about that. It's time to subscribe. So go ahead and click wherever you listen to podcasts. We're everywhere. We're producing every Wednesday. I hope you're enjoying this content. And most importantly, I hope you're having a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.